Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is, the Roaring Riot podcast, not what you think, and the Carolina line for more great talk about your favorite team. Follow the Riot Network on Twitter, at the Riot Network, to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. Welcome to One Day Contract. We are here at Cyclops Cider and Brewery in beautiful Spartanburg. Joining me as always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report. Excited to get to training camp today and do some defensive line scouting in person. I know that you, I know, that, actually, I don't know why I started talking <laughs> like I was Colin. Your name is Josh. I just like heard a, I heard a pause after you uh, said Cyclops cidery because you expected us to jump in and uh and we didn't and then there was like a little bit of dead air there this is what training camp does we have gotten better we're holding the line a little bit longer we're not you know we're watching the ball we're not uh just jumping in there willy-nilly drawing offsides penalties a little bit more patience yeah uh off the line as you get better you you start to learn and get better credit to coach Rivera and Saffer for helping us to improve to this point in the season I can't better believe and I started talking after you introduced Colin. <laughs> Would you like what me is to happening? Inter- I'm going to introduce you. What and kind of Colin, terrible show? I want you to talk. Okay. Am I on? I'm also like tangled in wires here. This live show is getting off to a <laughs> great start. Um, Josh Klein over here, tangled in wires. I think he's about to fall too. Yep. Managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is. Eight only two Chicago dogs while in Chicago, and he really does feel like an adult for limiting himself. Congratulations. Feeling pretty proud of myself. Uh, we went out for a nice dinner and then um a couple hours after the dinner was over my buddy was like we had had some drinks and he was like hey do you want to go grab a hot dog and i was like we just ate dinner like two hours ago and then um we ended up getting a mexican torta about an hour later but still uh no extra hot dog there at the end so i was pretty uh pretty proud of myself and chicago dogs i've discovered you put those pickles you put those tomatoes on there you put them peppers like, why is that not a thing? The celery salt. Yeah. Like, why is that not a thing everywhere? Like, why is it just acceptable to put somehow chili is okay to put on a hot dog? But, like, ketchup and mustard are, like, the only thing. Like, if you put something, like, if you were like, hey, I'm going to have a, a hot dog with, like, lettuce and tomato. People are like, oh, my God, lettuce and tomato on a hot dog. That's crazy. It's just a sandwich. It's just meat and bread. And then you put lettuce, tomato, maybe some onions, maybe some pickles, maybe some hot peppers. And now we're at a Chicago dog. Here's the thing. Chicago dogs, too, are always delicious. Even, like, the ones that are, like, not great are delicious. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you get a chili dog, they're not always delicious. That's a great point. I would say, and, uh, oh, I feel like I'm probably going to make some people angry here. Oh, no. I would say, for the most part, chili dogs are disgusting. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's just too much. First of all, it's too much meat. Um, it, now, if you're going to say chili cheese That's dog. That's what she said? Mm, good one. Thank you. <laughs> In the buns. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to say chili cheese dog, now we're cooking because now it's like you got some cheese on there that's going to even out all that. But if it's just like a big honk of chili on there, you're soaking the buns. I, I don't get to taste that wiener. <laughs> <laughs> the live show. has. I think Colin's going to leave I, now. You know so, what's, <laughs> so we're at Cyclops Cidery and Brewery. Interestingly. Interestingly enough, uh, Cyclops Cidery spelled with two eyes. Um, Correct. Way to pull us back in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm probably just going to start drinking this brown ale a little faster from now on. That's yeah, well, I, think I, do. I think that uh, we, if we're going to talk about uh, chili dogs for 
for a while, much was, like John Mellencamp. I was ready to jump in and defend the honor of the Chili Dog, but then you took it to a place <laughs> that I'm, I'm not interested in going, and so then uh, I, I just bailed out and focused on the, uh, uh, the Cyclops brews. Do you think that, like, chili, if you're, like, famous for your chili dog, you're almost certainly, like, a divey restaurant, which nothing wrong with a divey restaurant. Yeah. I love divey restaurants. Uh, we just had delicious uh, breakfast slash brunch at Papa's Breast Breakfast Nook. <laughs> did I? What did I? I so I mispronounced it? Papa's Breast Nook. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to go, but Nikki insisted, just in case anyone. We were talking about strip clubs a couple minutes ago. I think that might still be in the Off head. the air conversation, Nikki. Those are off the air conversations. My bad. I'm spilling my cider everywhere. You should probably. I love how you uh, introed the show as we have a guest every week that's a rotating media member, and we're now five minutes into the show, and we'll reveal that we do not have a guest this week. It's a zero-day contract. I was going to say, on the one-day on the one day contract this week, no one, because Ev- we're going to sign a whole bunch of people. Or everyone is or on a one-day no one. contract. Yeah. <laughs> no one or everyone. It'll be somewhere. It's a good way to look at extremes. it. Extremes. It doesn't seem like the nostalgia factor has really kicked in for Spartanburg here in our uh, final year. Should we talk about Spartanburg? Because we're... Um, we're here? Yeah, we're here. here. We Get used to it. Uh, I think that... Get used um, to it. So I, I am not afraid to tell you that over the past two weeks here in Spartanburg during Panthers practice... The crowd has been what I would describe it as uh, sparse. And I am curious why you guys think that is. Why you think that people are not coming out to training camp the way that they once were. Is it just a matter of the team was 7-9 and nine last year? Is that it? No. Okay. No. I, I think that the experience has fundamentally changed. And part of it is the world around training camp has fundamentally changed. But, you know, if you, if you want to get your Panthers fixed, do you want to come sit on a hill in the hot South Carolina sun and watch some guys you don't know? Or would you stay at home and watch your all-or-nothing documentary and, and see Greg Olson up close playing Candy Crush? Or, or watch your Camp Confidential on YouTube or your Fight for the 53. I mean, the Panthers are putting out some great content of uh, things that are happening here at training camp, which good good on them for kind of taking people behind the curtain. I think that they have been doing Camp Confidential for a few years, but I think this year is, is better. And I think that that is um, – we're going to talk more about this later, but I think that is a little bit of this Tepper effect of him being like, hey, we need to show people why they should like the Carolina. Let's tell all these stories that are happening behind the scenes in the dorms. Let's tell these stories. And I also think it's kind of the day and age that we're in of like of social media. If you don't want to come to practice, you can get all your news yeah. in two hours on Twitter, and you can almost see practice. I mean, there is a, there is a Twitter uh, account that literally tweets out every play of team drills, and we, as uh, like as the credentialed media, were not allowed to do that. But that is not that does not stop people from standing behind the fence and sitting on the hill, and and broadcasting that out to more fans, which is, I mean, which is fine. I, I think the reason is because if I'm uh, a Rams coach, I'm probably not following some dude on Twitter, but I right. might be following a beat writer that might be tweeting out how Christian McCaffrey is taking, uh, you know, whatever, is throwing a halfback pass. Sparse and Spartanburg. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good... Uh, I like that. That's probably the title of our um, of our feature story this week, Sparse in Spartanburg. Now, do you think it'll be different this week with the Bills being... <laughs> I think there are going to be a lot more people here, but I don't think they're going to be, be Panthers fans. fans. I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, I also look at the experience in Rivera, like just kind of the attitude, the team's attitude towards training camp and towards their facilities has certainly been down. Like it's not been like a, hey, come see this place. And then 
you know, they've got multiple fields. Sometimes they don't always work on the field right next to the hill where, mm -hmm. the, where fans can sit. So now all of a sudden, the value of that, like you said, you're getting the cool place tweeted. So and then they're away from me, the guy that, that, that took two hours or, you know, to bring his kids down here. And they're, you know, you said several hundred feet, to, feet away or yards away. And people at home have a better view of what's going on at, at training camp. Like, they have not in, emphasized it. It, it. And you brought up Tepper. This is small potatoes to Tepper. Tepper's focused on fans across the globe, not, not, not the fans that can get to Spartanburg. And granted, they're, they're building their own pra practice facility. And I suspect we'll see some things change. But they've not made this a place where to, to come to, to, to see your team, to uh, in, enhance your experience as a Panther fan. Yeah, I think that if you are a if you're a Panthers fan and you don't want autographs, now that being said, if you do want autographs, this is the place to. I mean, you can literally Luke Keekley, Eric Reed, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey stands out there for 25 minutes signing autographs. So it's I like every that. single practice. So these guys are available. So if you are an autograph person, you can. Here is your your heaven. But if you're not an autograph person, I'm not really an autograph person. I never really have been. I did like to take, like, pictures with celebrities because um, I think that, like, lasts a little bit longer. But the idea of just having them kind of sign their name on my hat doesn't really do it for me. But God love you if it does for you. Um, but I, I think there's not really – you're right. There's not really a great reason to be here other than just an, have that experience. Yeah. Well – this will kind of lead into Nikki's super important question. You just brought oh, we up. We got some the real Panthers talk there in the first five <laughs> minutes. It's like we're it's really changing much. the format. It's too much. Well, you just mentioned, you know, you autographs and whatnot. Mm. Your Spartanburg that you'd go to to get autographs, who would you want to get an autograph from? We're not talking Panthers, though. Anybody, celebrity-wise. So You'd go stand out in the 100-degree sun and get that autograph and meet them. Is it just an autograph, or am I going to get to, like, meet and greet? We can go meet and greet. I'm all right with that. Okay. Who's the last autograph you got, Nikki? Ooh. Oh, we think about this. Nice. Non-paycheck related. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't even think I can't, of the last time I, can't I got even an autograph. Think like, though. literally, I cannot think I know, of the last time I got an autograph. I, I got an autograph, but it was, not for, it was not for me. But it was, it was definitely Steve Smith. Steve Smith signed, a, signed mm. a, a jersey for a friend of mine. That I, um, so that was, that was my last one. But that's... that's oh. Mine was sent to me though i didn't get it but it's from scott frost the coach of the nebraska corn huskers he sent that to you just my, like did um, you send him a self-addressed stamp envelope a, a, <laughs> a friend of mine uh that used to be the um athletic writer for the titans he mm. has a has a good friend over there and he made that happen. travis haney yes okay yes uh i i think that um for me, so when I was a kid, I used to be much more of an autograph person to the point where I had an autograph book that I took to Disney World and I would have the, um, the characters sign uh, the autograph book. Now, that is dumb because they're just regular people wearing a Donald Duck costume and they didn't sign their real name. Uh, spoilers. If thanks, you're for small thanks, thanks, thanks for ruining it. Don't, don't let any of your children listen to this episode, I think. You mean but the Noid was not actually <laughs> the Noid? But you got to avoid him, man. From what I understand, you have got to avoid that Noid. Um, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, and I also found out that you could send a self-addressed stamped envelope to any WWF superstar not their home address, obviously, but just like <laughs> WWF, like care of, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, care of WWF, and they would send you back 
a autograph like eight by ten, and I bet you does that still happen? I bet you that does still happen, right? I mean, that probably, probably is still a thing. Like, if you'll take the time, and it's probably usually kids that do it. If you take the time to send something, and I will tell you this: if you're a big Panthers fan, if you take the time to send something to a lot of these players, maybe not to Luke Keekley, Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton, but if you send something, if you're like a big Taylor Moten fan, and you send him something, he yeah. will probably sign it and send it back to you if you make it easy enough for them to do. I mean, they have Sharpies in the building, so it doesn't take that much effort for them to do it. So, uh, And true. please don't quote me on that. So if you are if you are like, you Josh told me to send in a Taylor Moten jersey and I never got it back. <laughs> now you have to buy everybody jerseys. Yeah, I'm sorry. And yeah, I, I, so I think that would be, I, I cannot remember the last time that I got an autograph, but um, probably... Uh, Bruce the Barber Beefcake. That's my favorite answer. <laughs> it, it's difficult now because, you know, being being a sports fan, I feel I feel some kind of way about asking somebody younger than me mm. for an autograph. That's I fair. I feel like it's a threshold. Like, once – I feel like I'll be able to wear jerseys again once I feel like I could be their father. Like, once, I, once I've got enough separation, we're like, oh, okay, I can I – can, a 53-year-old me could rock a Brian Burns jersey – Whereas I, I feel like right now, like, I, I can't. So I feel like we're kind of in this limbo period where it's like, hey, I, I just support you because you play for my, 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 my team. But That's fair. Um, we're a little too close for me to be like, hey, man, could I uh, get an autograph? Yeah. But I also think there's a thing what, that comes with being a middle-aged man or woman asking a player for an autograph. Just, I am not middle-aged. I don't know why I directly referenced <laughs> you with his left hand and gestured. <laughs> he in definitely – gestured at me i said or woman you are a woman though right yes okay see you you were referring to me as middle-aged yeah we're in the you're middle i mean you're not you're not a child and you're not a senior citizen you're you're Mm. in the middle Mm. i don't think you know what middle age means i don't know what middle uh, i i guess i don't what does middle age mean i don't want to talk about this i feel like a compliment i feel like yeah exactly when you're a young lady (laughs) or a middle-aged man uh When you're when you're of a certain when you're a man of a certain age, much like Ray Romano, uh, <laughs> you, I think that it's assumed that you're going to sell that autograph on eBay. In my mind, when I see an adult at standing at the fence at camp right. holding a, a helmet, yeah. I assume that helmet's going on eBay once they get it signed by enough people. If you want to see adults that are just terrible, by the way, go to the Ritz when Golden State's in town and watch, like, the last time I went to do that, I watched, like, grown men shoving small children out of the way trying to get Steph Curry. Yeah. Well, you got to get that Steph autograph because there's not a billion of those on eBay, and you could sell yours for $8.99. Also, according to Google, middle age is defined as 45 to 65, and I'm definitely not 45. I'm just letting everybody know You are 65. I'm definitely (laughs) 65. Uh, According to my Google, middle age is between the years 1400 and 1600, but I think I may have Googled incorrectly. Don't worry. Nikki can still work at Papa's breakfast nook. (laughs) Nope. No no problem. Don't say it like that. (laughs) Nope. Don't say it like that. Okay, I liked your question better, by the way, about who got the last autograph. But real quick, just who would be that one celebrity or whatnot you'd want an autograph from that you'd go stand and wait for? I mean, I think I've made my uh, my affection Bruce for I? the music of uh, <laughs> oh. one David Dave, John I was Matthews. Say, so I should have known that. Probably that would be my guy. But I would much prefer a meet and greet and also, like, if he would, like, could I like request a song or like I, these are questions that I need to know. Be best friends. Exactly. Like would uh, I also I do I will tell you that when I did get autographs 
for a really long time, I would say, can you make it out to my best friend, Josh? <laughs> and then they would sign to my best friend, Josh, uh, signed Howie Day. <laughs> it's spelled Josh wrong, though. It'd be with like a G. You can't Gosh. spell Josh wrong. It's fine. <laughs> Do you have one, Colin? Well, um, any, other, any other year in my life, the answer would have been simple. Uh, it would have been Michael Jordan, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I was eight, I believe, when I had a meltdown at a country club um, at, a, at a Crosby golf tournament because I, I could not get Michael Jordan's autograph. I was just beyond. They cut the line off mm. right in front of eight-year-old Colin, and he did not handle the situation That's well. terrible. I, That's pretty tough. So, And then for a long time, it was Michael, um, and then now – now, well, I, I don't, I, I don't know what I would say to Michael right now. <laughs> I'm just hurt right now. You wouldn't be asking him for an autograph, no. I don't think. No. But, no. Man, but, but no, would I, you though? I feel like you might. You might be like, no. Michael, I have some bones to pick with you about your roster management and the way that you've run this I team in the past few years, and I'm going to tell you about that as soon as you sign this hat. Well, no, the, what, would be, what would be bad for me is if I was like, Michael, I, I need some answers, and he's like, All right, I'll get you some answers, but let's, why, why don't we just get a ball and go shoot some hoops while we just. And then I would completely go to pieces. I would be like, that would be it. So like shoot hoops with Michael Jordan would be like, like, yeah. Hey, let's go play a game of horse. Yeah. yeah I think you want to play horse with Mike. I don't think you want to just shoot around. Well, right? whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, sure. I'd love to play horse against them. I mean, anything, uh, you know, see if I could make the team right now. Um, <laughs> just any, any number <laughs> they need of a shooting guard. I feel no. like you could, but that would be, that'd be my number one. Easy. I feel like mine's Bruno Mars. Mm. I'm a big Bruno Mars obsession. But don't you? But do you really want an autograph from Bruno Mars, or wouldn't you rather just have like a dance off? I want to go like have a dance party with him. Yeah, that see that sounds much more enticing to me than just like, hey, sign my shirt. Like, no, eh, yeah. Like to me, I want and, and now I feel like I'm just offending people that do like autographs. Like, if you like autographs, if you like collect them. Then do you? But oh, for yeah. me, it just doesn't do it for we've me. We've all got different things. I've got old press passes from things, you know, mm-hmm. from, from events and stuff that. like yeah. that. So like we've all got our we've all got our mementos. Yeah, I I collect yeah. vinyl like records that are that I listen to once and put in a crate and will never listen to again. But I'm like, oh, but check out this record that I have that I feel like it defines my personality. If you flip through and you're like, oh, look, he likes David Bowie, must be cool. Well, and, and now, now that I've gotten a little bit older, I mean, I was pretty hard on Jersey guy for a long time since we took down autograph guy. Sure, like, let's take them all down. No, but <laughs> but I feel like it's I feel like I've I've swung to the other side now, where it's like I no longer look at forty year old wearing jersey and go, oh, look look at him. He, Curtis Samuel's clearly his favorite player. What a loser he is! Curtis Samuel's like half his age. Like he just, he he just wants to be Curtis Samuel. It's like, no, I, I bought a jersey because I've been supporting this team for twenty years, and this was the jersey that I bought this year because I buy a new jersey every year. Yeah. Oh yeah. You mean you don't want to just be a twenty-year-old? Yeah. Like if, uh, that that period of time though, you you do go through. I think for people with like your a little bit older than these guys. But now I just look at it, and it's, it's completely different. Like, I feel like I was a lot more judgmental of Jersey, older Jersey guy before than I am now. I think, for me, the idea of wearing a Jersey is, um, is it crystallizes a point in time when you really liked something enough to spend a fair amount of money on it. Like, when you like – so, if Curtis Samuel is your favorite player today, right, and you buy a Curtis Samuel Jersey, you probably spent 50, 60 bucks on it. However much, maybe you spent like $300 on it. In 10 years, when you still have that jersey, you will look back fondly on it and say, man, remember that Curtis Samuel breakout year when it was 2018 or 2019? He was like catching everything at camp. Like I remember buying this jersey. I was wearing it at the bar, and somebody walked up, and we started talking about it. Like I think especially 
you do get a little bit of a camaraderie from wearing a, a jersey specifically. And for me, I know that I love the idea of um, jerseys of players that either didn't pan out or are kind of like forgotten uh, in the in the annals of history. So like when my friends and I used to go uh, and buy um, Panthers jerseys, my friends, my friend Joey and I used to go on eBay when we were drunk and buy uh, Panthers jerseys for anything under $10. <laughs> and so like we had like Chris Winkie jerseys and like all these like jerseys of like like Lamar Lathan, like even Lamar Lathan's, he's a good player, but like he's kind of forgotten in the in the history of the Carolina Panthers. Like nobody thinks about Lamar Lathan as like a Panther great, but he really was. And somebody bought that Lamar Lathan jersey with the idea of like, this is my favorite player, and I'm always going to remember Lamar. He's going to be my guy for for kind of the rest of time. Forever. 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 Well, if you want to hear your super important question on the show. Give us a review. Get on the iTunes. Put it in there. Any Panthers questions, though, just send those to at Josh Klein Rules. Five stars. I did answer whoever, Terry B. I think I answered it on my Twitter. Yes, so you did. Check so go check out. out. He's got all the answers. All right, are we ready? Let's take a look at preseason week one, a look back. Who impressed? I mean, we got two standouts, I would say, right? Burns, yeah. Haynes. Yeah. What did I, you think? I think when you talk about what you thought this 3-4 defense was going to look like, you you basically saw exactly what you were hoping to see out of Brian Burns and Marquise Haynes, which was a the ability to get to the quarterback faster than they were able to get there last year, to the point where there were times when Haynes was in the backfield so quickly that it was just not an option for him to yeah. throw it. And I think that, you know, teams are going to adjust, and obviously the uh, Haynes was playing against – he played for most of the game, so he was playing against a lot of fringe guys in the second half. But still, he made a play on the very first play of the game against their, their starting offensive line. He was, in the, he was able to knife into the backfield, and he just showed the kind of growth – that you were hoping to see if it wasn't like, oh, man, like if he had just been a guy that's just like, well, like if he had just not flashed again, then you're like, well, is this the end, is this the end of the line for Marquise Haynes? And I think we're now seeing maybe this is the beginning of the line for Marquise Haynes instead of the end. I think that's such an important point. We get so focused on the rookies every year, but it, it's it's the second and third year guys that have a chance too. Um, the, the guy that I will be keeping an eye on, though, is uh, Ian Bunting. The mm. number 49 tight end for the yeah, Bears. I, I really hope he makes the roster so that we can say that Brian Burns made that move on an actual NFL player. Because <laughs> I tried to watch that clip of Brian Burns just juking Ian, young Ian yeah. out of his shoes. Young I bunting. Don't, I, I, don't, I don't know that he got his hand on him. I don't know that Ian actually touched him. No, he left like a 6-7 six six, silhouette in smoke. I tried my best to like fit a phrase of that like – of that nature into the into the article that I wrote about it because it's like he literally just like he put him on skates which is not easy to do when you're two feet away from somebody and also I don't have I don't have high hopes for Ian Bunting he's one of those he's like sharing so he wears 49 and then there's also a defensive 49 that's never a good sign it's not a good sign but that's why we got to pull for him we're cheering we're pulling for you Ian we want you to make the roster not a great start in week one but there's a lot of preseason left to go Ian you got this, baby. Use your hands next time, Ian. That's my suggestion going forward. When you're trying to block guys, I would use my hands. I Bob. didn't even know they had pockets on uh, on <laughs> football <laughs> pants, but that's probably not the best. Just get them right on out of there and use them. Put them up. 
Someone make sure he hears this. He needs this inspirational talk right now. Please do not tag him on Twitter. Don't be <laughs> that guy that like, uh, you know, I don't really understand people that do that in general. Like, so, they so like see chaos, well, but it's not even <laughs> chaos. So like I, so just recently I tweeted, so I, it was pretty obvious that K1 shorts family was on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, uh, like I tweeted out, uh, I see a lot of 99 jerseys on the sideline you know, K1 shorts from East, East Chicago. That's probably why. Somebody quote tweeted and, and tagged KK as if it, he needed to know that I was saying, like, was I saying something bad? I was just, I, like, I just didn't even really understand what that guy was doing. Like, what was the thought process that was like, I got to tag KK, man. KK needs to know this guy. <laughs> Get this. <laughs> this guy's saying that his family is on the sideline. No, sir. Not on my watch. <laughs> I almost said that. Yeah. We need to say that more. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. It's a fun phrase. It is a fun you phrase. you got to bring that kind of stuff back. <laughs> what about the running backs? Who looked the best out there? Colin, what would you think? I had an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to hear what yours was first. Uh, overall, not not great. Yep. Overall, not great. Yeah. It, that was kind of the – they kept trying to run right, and it felt like there was two bears for every Panther every time they did that. So – Collectively, not great. Do you think that was a, f- uh, a function of the offensive line or a function of the running backs or uh, the Bears' defensive line? The, I think, it, I think it, was, it said more about the Bears' defense. I mean, that, that defense, we did not see how good that, that Bears' defense. They have, they have a mm. chance to be the best defense in the, in the, in the NFC. And I think you, they had their, their attitude. Those guys know that they have to compete to try and make that roster. And they, they look particularly hungry on that defensive side because I think they, they all know that – the spots are the spots are lean. Do you think that in in general that running games are hard to uh, be impressive in the preseason? Because neither run, neither team was able to put anything together on the on the ground. Yeah. Less than a hundred yards for both teams. I guess Chicago had was over four yards a rush, but that was also they had like a twenty three yard rush. Take that away, and they're at three yards a carry. Same thing for Carolina. I mean. Uh, Elijah Holyfield had, I think he had 26 yards rushing, and I think 17, 19 of them came on his last two carries. So it's like, it's is it hard to get that going because maybe they don't know their offensive line, maybe they're, you know, the offensive line needs some time to gel, or maybe it's just that you're not seeing Christian McCaffrey out there, and that probably makes a big difference. That folds into it too, but I also think if you're a coach and you're week one of the preseason, you want to see guys try and do things that are, Towards the, like, you know, they were trying to pull guys and stuff like that early on. Mm. I think they were just, it, they're about testing and seeing their guys. Like, th- that's the thing about, it, it's always tough about judging the preseason is we don't know what the goal of the preseason game is for the coaches. We know it's not to win. Like, they don't care about winning necessarily. Right. But what are they trying to work on? Are they trying to put Greg Little in situations that are intentionally hard for him, trying to get him experience doing that? So they're trying to make him look bad, in, you know, at, at times. Or they're trying to get these guys pulling around the outside in spots that typically they don't, they aren't great at because they, maybe they've been trying to tell them you got to work at this, you got to work at this, and then you get a, you you face an opponent and you say, see, this is why we tell you we need to work on yeah, this because you got flattened, or you yeah. let you let your running back get flattened because you didn't cut, you didn't curl tightly and around the guard like we've been telling you to do, and you did it in a game and the linebacker came free and crushed our quarterback. It's it's like the um like the the blitz that. Galden came free on the quarterback, right? So 
I, w I saw somebody, I think it was Olin Krutz tweeted out that he was basically like, once the, once the quarterback calls out the mic, then that means the running back has the guy to his left, and that means the safety is just going to come free. So if you're the quarterback and you see that safety coming, you got to get rid of that ball faster, and that's, his, that's the quarterback's fault. You cannot put that on the offensive line when they're going to rush eight guys there's only five offensive linemen so and one running back. So it's like you cannot block everybody. So you, the quarterback has to take some responsibility. And likely, that's what they're talking about in, in the film room today. Chase Daniel, is, they're saying to Chase Daniel, like, when you see that safety, because it wasn't like Rashawn Galden came immediately. It was a delayed blitz. Right. And it's like when you see him coming towards you, you got to either throw that thing into the ground or you got to have a hot route. You, gotta, you have to have an idea of where you're going with that ball and not just uh, – you know, theoretically fumble it. Right. So I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I do think you're right. That's a good way to put it, that they're trying to put people into situations where you can test their metal and see how they do because that is really all the preseason, all that matters about preseason, not winning. That's why you ice kickers in the second quarter. And, yeah, well, and I mean, and Rivera is always going to be a bear at heart and he's going he's gonna, to, you know, try and help him out and oh, do whatever yeah. he can. I, I look at this, uh, another spot too is a punt return game mm -hmm. where – they want to try and punt the ball down the middle of the field and then let their guys cover because it's more important that they see if those guys can cover than it is to see if they can directionally punt it and make it really difficult. So punt return numbers in the preseason, I, they're, they're fake stats. They're not, they're not real. They're, the goals of both sides are different than they would be in a, in a regular season game. So you get inflated return numbers. that I don't, I don't expect to see that, uh, th that production continue into the regular season. So does that mean that you don't take stock? You don't put stock into the Terry Godwin long no. punt return? No, nothing at no. all. It does nothing for you. I mean, it, it, it's nice, but no, I don't think because I don't think you'd be fielding the punt in the same way. I think I think it's all it all breaks down because again, you you only have so many live punts to try and look at for these guys. So punt generically, let us try and see as much as we can about each guy. I think I, I think stuff like that gets tightened up, and the goals are different. You know, you're, okay, we want you to try and hang it so there's not a return in, in a regular season game, whereas right now in the, in the preseason, a fair catch doesn't do us any good. We need to see if these gunners can make tackles, can make plays, so let's not try and do stuff, uh, or let's tr not try and have fair catches, and then that leads to longer returns, stuff like that. I, I, it, it'll, all, it'll all shake out, but I, I do think there's some inflated numbers that, that are based on coaches having different priorities than looking at the numbers to determine who's good. It's interesting. Yeah, I think looking at numbers can, can be – you, you make a mistake when you look at preseason stats. I mean, you know, the, the easiest one is Mose Frazier led the league in touchdowns and I believe receptions and yardage last year in the preseason. I don't think he's in the NFL right now. So and Never got an honest look at him, though, to be fair. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, that is true. Plus, I was I, – I like all – I wanted to do all the um, – the Moe's memes were fun when he was in the game. That was fun. I like. I was a big Moe's Frazier guy, um, mostly because that's a fun name. It um, is a fun name. Yeah. Moe's Frazier. That's the other thing that you could say. And like, Yeah, and then when they put him down in the practice squad, you, should, you could say down goes Frazier. That's fun. I love um, that. I, I think – I believe – I could be wrong. I believe uh, our friend of the podcast, Jordan Rodriguez, may have said that first, so I just want to put give her some credit on that because she's kind of the – She's the big pun gal on this uh, on this beat. Colin, how'd you feel about your boy out there, uh, Godwin? In case anyone, yeah, the Godwin new, gang, new listener, the Maybe. Godwin gang. Yeah, the Godwin gang. I, I, I'm I'm encouraged about him. I, I think 
because what I what I hope he can bring, I think I think we saw some of that mm-hmm. um, in, in week one, and he's a guy that uh, has the right mentality, has the right attitude, ha- you know, played at a big time program, and I think can come in and contribute. But I don't think necessarily that I'm, I'm optimistic about a double figure, you know, punt return average or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me after week one, and this is one of those things that it changes. The, the preseason can change so much because we put so much stock into this first preseason game, and then by by Saturday, somebody else is going to have a big return, and then he'll be the leader in the punt return ball game. So it's yeah. like you can be Team Terry right now, hashtag Team Terry, but uh, Godwin gang, Godwin gang, hashtag Godwin gang. Uh, but and that's totally fine, and I think you should be because for me, it, what's more impressive than the punt returns because he had two that were really that were very nice. Yeah, um, was he made a really nice catch on third and two. Um, they looked for him. They kind of set him, sent him in one of those uh, one of those crossing routes where he mm-hmm. could get his hands on the ball and then show what he could do. And he was able to turn a two yard catch, was third and two, and he was able to get the first down and then pick up ten yards. So it was a, kind of turn the corner and make a difference. And so he's only targeted that once. Uh, the the interception that Greer threw, a lot of people thought he was throwing it to Terry Godwin. He was not. Right. He said after the game, he was trying to fit it into Jason Vanderland. He just misread the coverage. Thought it was cover two into cover three. I'm sure we're going to talk about Will Greer at some point. Um, but I think Terry Godwin, to me, like has the early uh, the earliest of edges on on this wide receiver six position. If they're going to keep one, keep six wide receivers, because that's a question in and of itself. How they're going to put this roster together. Well, you mentioned Greer. Let's talk about these quarterbacks. Let's do it. Are we taking a break? At we some are. Point? Oh. Yeah. All right. Why? Why? You ready for a break right I, now? I, I feel like you I need I feel a brew like dog. I, need, I feel like I need another another brew. I, yeah. All right. Let's take a break. Celebrate the entirety of the Cyclops Cidery and Brewery uh, experience. Absolutely. All right. We'll we'll take a break because uh, Colin needs a beer, and uh, we'll be back in a second from Spartanburg. Hey, this is Kevin Donnelly and Al Wallace for the Carolina Line podcast. We talked about so many things this week. Fan Fest, the Bears game coming up, real football's just around the corner, and Al, wow, we got some real football on the way. Yeah, find out who's making plays on the offense, who's lighting it up, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, that defense, the transition, hey, Brian Burns, Christian Miller, those young guys are getting after it from the defensive line. It's going to be a fun ride this year. Hey, and we'll talk about your arms, the size of those guns, and hot dogs on the sidelines, and so many other funny stories, so dial in wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to Carolina Lines. We are back and in beautiful Spartanburg, Cyclops Cidery and Brewery. We had to stop because Colin needed a beer. Mm-hmm. Colin, what are what kind of beer brew dog are you drinking there? Uh, this is the Downtown Spartan Brown. Oh wow. It's I like the, the name. One of these signatures here. Uh, I, I tried the they have a cannoli one and it has a, a really sweet, as you might expect, mm-hmm. uh, back end. This one a little bit more of what I was uh, Looking for a little bit more of an easier drink uh, without the, the dessert sweetness of it. Cannoli sounds like a dessert beer. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much in the name. <laughs> I pretty much should have asked a better question before I ordered the first one, but here we are, and I feel like I have adjusted. It's like it's like any trip to Spartanburg. You, you're going to get lost once. Yeah, I ordered I ordered a Sour Patch Kids beer, and it was sour and gummy. Weird. I didn't, yeah, weird. Weird. Uh, Nikki, what are you drinking out of a fancy wine glass? Um, this is a uh, cider mosa. One part mimosa, one part cider with their blueberry cider. Mm, that sounds nice. It is very delightful. Sounds lovely. I may slightly be hungover at the moment, and it, it may have cured me. Mm, taking everybody behind the curtain. Good <laughs> <Sorry>. for you. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. My you did bad. a great job. 
<laughs> Let's go back to preseason week one. Quarterbacks. How how'd we do? What kind of grades we give these guys? I would say for me, I think they both looked fine. I think they both looked like backup quarterbacks. I think that this competition is still even. I think that probably I don't think I feel any better about the backup quarterback position right now than I did last year at this time. Yeah. I, I think that Will Greer is a talented rookie that looked like a rookie and a half when he first got out there. I think yeah. his eyes got real big and I and you know Good for him for owning up to it after after the game. He was not afraid to say, you know, like, this was my first professional game, and I really felt like it was my first professional game. Like, right. I really, like, I don't know whether it was, he said, I don't know whether it was jitters or whether I was just, like, just took me a minute to settle down and be like, okay, it's just football. Like, I know how to play football. But he was saying that, you know, it's, it's all different for him getting on, like, getting on the plane and flying somewhere, staying in a hotel, being in the bus. Like, obviously, you've done all that kind of stuff in West Virginia, but it's all just different rhythms. And so he has to get used to the rhythm of what it's like to be a pro. When do you eat? When do you when do you eat your whatever, your power pack gel? How do you get yeah. warmed up on the sidelines? How do you warm up before a game? Like, these are kind of things that you kind of know, but they're all a little bit different when you get into the NFL. Right. And so I think that after that interception, I thought he looked – miles better in the second half than he did in the first half he looked completely different you could just see like it was almost like once those jitters like were gone and he was calm and he was him again like Mm -hmm. I mean he was fine I was worried going into that game that we would have the um what happened to the Giants in their game when like the world yeah the world kind of lost their mind I I felt bad for all of New York sports radio the next day because I'm like I know how that's gonna go um, but, no, that did not happen. No, it did not. <laughs> I think that the idea – so the, 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 thing, the thing that angered me, and I'm sure Colin was probably had the same reaction, uh, is when Greer did throw the interception, people were like, well, I guess Cam Newton's job is safe. And it's like, oh, my God, it was already safe. But Well, and then it turned into – you know, you were kind of waiting for the quarterback controversy thing. Then the interception happened. Then it was like, well, who was available at safety at 100? Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, is, needs to, <laughs> if, he doesn't turn, if he's not the next Ronnie Lott, then uh, – but, but if he is the next Ronnie Lott, then everybody's going to be – nobody's going to forget it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, going back to what we discussed last week, I, I was wondering, will we see – is there a chance to see just two quarterbacks? You know, mm-hmm. is, is it – is it possible that they feel You mean confident? on the roster when we right. start in the season? Exactly. Um, rather than having Allen and Greer. Because right now I definitely think that would be the, the, the order. Um, right now, yes. I agree with you. And I don't think Greer at this point has done anything to, to, to close the gap. And I think Allen actually acquitted himself nicely. So I don't think we really learned a whole lot here other than the fact that I think we still sit at three quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think at this point – so to me – what one of two things would have had to happen, and they still can happen over the next three weeks, is that Will Greer had to play so well that you felt okay about having him be the only quarterback on the roster aside from Cam Newton. and Or Kyle Allen looked like the quarterback that got cut last year and spent six weeks without a job, and neither one of those two things happened. I think yeah. Kyle Allen looked like a little bit close, maybe not quite the world beater that he did in Week 17, but I think he looked like a competent NFL backup quarterback, and I think Will Greer looked like a rookie backup quarterback. So I think at this point you probably ha- almost have to have both of those guys on the roster. And if you want to have Will Greer listed second, then that's fine. That's I, I get it. You know, you have to 
you have to almost play this game, and, and Mike Lombardi is a spectacular writer and podcast host and everything else, has said in the past that you have to you have this competition between the coaches and sometimes the front office and then sometimes the owner and other people where you the GM, Marty Herney, wants Will Greer to be successful, as does Ron Rivera, obviously, but Ron Rivera wants to put the best football players out there, but he's pro- he might, may feel some pressure to put Will Greer ahead of him on the depth chart. Yeah because he was the third-round pick and you don't want to look like you bombed that third-round pick when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is leading the league in interceptions and tackles and touchdowns somehow. So uh, I, I think that, to me, it's like that that is um, that that may happen, but I do think you have to go into the season with three quarterbacks on the roster. FYI, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, drew high praise in May from Saints coaches and has not had another article written about him. So I uh, Still, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Anybody else impressed you guys? Um, I was impressed. So I, I'm a little bit. Uh, maybe it's because I like to go ag- against the grain a little bit. I thought that. Um, I thought Reggie Bonifon looked uh, interesting. I thought it was really interesting when they brought him in as a third down back almost immediately uh, on the first or second drive of the game. That really caught my eye that they're kind of looking at him as like maybe maybe they do want like a, a little bit of like a scat back guy. And if you want somebody that's a like-for-like like replacement for Christian McCaffrey, which I think they do have interest in, especially when you look at what they did at the end of the year last year when they were keeping guys like Travaris Cadet and Kenyon Barner, these guys were active on the roster. And I do think they like having somebody that like if Christian theoretically – got hurt would knock on all the wood um you probably don't want to have to change the playbook so much and i think that you know cameron arspain elijah holyfield and probably jordan scarlett could step in and do it but there are probably plays designed for christian mccaffrey that reggie bonifon might be more inclined to replicate that skill set and i think I saw kind of what I wanted to see from him. I saw he looked, he had some nice blocking on special teams. He's able to turn a run upfield. He caught every pass that came his way. So it's like, I think if he's making a run at being like a dark horse roster candidate, uh, that's kind of, that he did what he needed to do in week one of the preseason. And the biggest thing with him is catching the ball out of the, out of the backfield if yep. you're going to use him in that way. I mean, that Holyfield and Scarlett, Holy, neither one of them are breakaway guys. Neither one of them are going to you know, rip off the, the 85 yarders in all likelihood. But they also may not be the best pass catching. And this is, that's the aspect of this that is going to be getting watched by the coaches, not only during the preseason games, but at practice. And if those guys don't secure the ball in the passing game, then Bonifant definitely has himself a role here. Yeah, I, I, I just think I, I saw what I needed to see from him to kind of keep him alive in the competition. And I think yeah. you can't – the first week of the preseason to me is kind of like the first round of a fantasy football draft. You can't lose your roster. You can't win a roster spot in week one, but you could lose one. And I don't think anybody lost one in week one. Even a guy like Holyfield who fumbled on his third touch, came back, showed that resiliency. I mean, he didn't look great as a rusher, but no. I, I think he at least kept himself alive. And, uh, you know, these are the guys that Bonifon may be more of a fit for the practice squad simply because he's probably not going to get signed off of there. Right. So they may want to just keep him around for another year. But if you can stay in the system, that's how Demir Bird got his chance. Yep. 
that you can make yourself an NFL career out of doing it this way, and he's still learning how to play running back. So um, if you want to be in the uh, hashtag Team Reggie, no, what, what's, can we come up with a better one? There, yeah, there, there has to be something better than that. Yeah, the, the Bonifon Buffet. If you want to, if you want to, we'll work on take that. a take a walk through the Bonifon Buffet. That's probably terrible, right? Should we just edit these out? <laughs> I, the, the <laughs> I'm trying to think of a better one. I'm, I'm struggling to think of a better one, but I, I don't I don't think. But that's it's definitely not those. Yeah, no, that's fine. We may not Maybe have I've had answer, too many of these Spartan Browns. I don't know. Spartan Browns. Well, who wasn't impressive? Uh, what's it say about this secondary that Chase Daniel was 11 for 13 for 120 yards in the first half? I, uh, Colin, I, I was just going to say, come. It, it's it's one name for me, and that's Vernon Butler. But at the same time. I think this was the first time he got into a game, probably playing a 3-4 nose tackle. And this is what your life is now, Vern. This is what it is, and it sucks. There's a reason that 3-4 nose tackle is not a desirous position. (laughs) It sucks. you you got to take on double teams. You know, we talk about Jordan Gross, all he's trying to do is lose slowly. As a a nose tackle in a 3-4, you're trying to just hold the line. You're not trying to make the play. You're just trying to be in the middle. And take up space. A couple times it was. It, it looked like uh, it'd been a while since Vernon gotten double teamed. He was perhaps <laughs> not uh, not ready necessarily. But I don't. But I think that that's you know that that's a real position change that I don't think you know people necessarily appreciate right. from going from a four three to a three four. And we'll see how he how he adjusts going forward. But that that certainly seemed like a wake up call for Vern. Yeah. To me. I think if we adjust our expectations of what we want from Vernon Butler, we will all be a lot happier. Well, I think if you does that mean not an NFL player? <laughs> like what? So I get, I get it. He was a first-round pick five years ago. You want him to get out there and be Dontari Poe, be KK Short. But unfortunately, he has proven over the past few years that's just not the kind of player that he is. So if you start to look at him as a as a rotational defensive tackle. That is go- you are going to be- make yourself a lot happier rather than when he gets washed out by a center and you get mad because you he picked him 24th or 30th overall, then you'll just be you'll be a lot happier if you don't think that way. Right. You know, if you if you go to a bar and you say, "Man, I hope all these beers are two dollars," and then they're <laughs> seven, and you're like, "God, seven is too much, man." But if you go in and you're like. Well, this beer seven dollars, whatever. It's delicious. Then, then you'll be fine. And the defensive linemen that that are truly impactful, those guys go in the top ten. Like it, he is in a different class when it comes to draft. When you, you're drafting at the end of the first round, and even at the end of the first round, he's not necessarily lived up to it. But I, but I think if it was second round defensive tackle, Vernon Butler, people are like, hey, okay, yeah, right. I, I, yeah. I, I, mm, I, I, I agree with you. I think that. The, uh, sometimes you can get caught up, and he's two two picks from being in the second round. Exactly. So, and also you can get the idea that every draft pick is going to be successful is just false. It's a huge falsehood. Only about fifty percent of first round picks are successful in the NFL. Uh, the Panthers have a had a first round pick who literally is not in the NFL anymore. Uh, four years ago, used to play for the Buffalo Bills. Then he was fat on the Kansas City Chiefs, and now he does not play in the NFL, did not survive his rookie contract. Like, these are the kind of things that happen, especially when you get into the back half. But even in the top ten, there are guys that bust. So this idea that he is absolutely terrible, he's a rotational player. Just adjust your expectations. You're going to be a lot happier. It is what it is. It is what it is. 
thank you. My wife does not like it when I say that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> she, it's fine. She doesn't listen. Do you use it too much? Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, Do oh. I use phrases too much? It no way. Uh, Colin's wife listens. She She's listened to an episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. One episode? Yeah. yeah. She's listened to an episode. Shamed her into it. Because I, I went and picked Colin up for our adventure to Spartanburg, and mm-hmm. I said, where is the deck at? And she started laughing. She's like, I heard an episode. I know. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. The only feedback I got from my wife on any podcast that I've ever hosted was, theme song's too long. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I think we found out when you press stop on that one, if the theme song is too long. You got to come in earlier. Okay. All right. Uh, well, listen, all right, I can't, babe. Be, I can't be expected to hit uh, fast forward 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a button there, but uh, that's a level of commitment I'm not here I for. Just, that's what I – when I'm, like, listening to a new podcast, yeah. uh, if I if I go eight seconds in and I don't hear a voice, stop. What is this, all music? No, thank you. <laughs> it's just called a song. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're just listening to a song. What kind of grade would you give the secondary out there? Um – I don't know. Incomplete, probably. I mean, they started Lorenzo Dawson and Corn Elder, so it's like, eh, like they they didn't the the fact that they didn't use any of their starters is more says more about anything. Is one of my biggest takeaways from the preseason game because to me, you are seeing so many times in this Carolina Panthers team this year and last year since. David Tepper purchased the team. You're seeing so many differences that are maybe they're subtle, maybe they're not subtle. This to me is a subtle difference that came from the top, and you heard it in Camp Confidential. He said it right to Ron Rivera, and I can't imagine that was the first time he ever said it when there happened to be a camera in the room. The more rest, the less chance for injury there is. Right. And then all of a sudden, you see 35 guys not playing. Yeah. That to me says the big dog or the big cat was like i were this is not happening don't play anybody if cam newton's out there i'm going to be pissed off yeah do you believe that that david tepper is behind that because i'm because in any other scenario we would be talking about meddling owner if you're saying cuz th- this rest science isn't necessarily proven like there's nothing it's just common logic that's like oh if you don't play you don't get hurt so therefore you're better but that's just it's just anecdotal but yeah I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you said that that Jerry Richardson was saying, hey, don't play our guys in the preseason, then I think then there's a meddling owner discussion. I don't know. I think it's weird. We've we've mentioned the honeymoon period so so much recently. But it's like I I think that at this point, considering who the last owner was, I think you do want a little bit of that medal. From, I think fans want a little bit of that medal. They want they want to see Tepper on the sidelines asking Ron Rivera what's happening on the field or talking to Marty Herney about which right tackle is going to start. Being invested besides money invested. Yeah. I think that fans want that in their owner right now, and that may speak to just in general the way that society is a little bit, that you want you you want that more involvement rather than just the silent partner. I, I think it just shows how much this, this landscape moves in sports where – the idea of a meddling owner being a good thing um, was something that would be unconscionable like 10 years ago. And now I don't I don't disagree with you, but like the Panthers right now, you know, p- producing their camp confidential, and they're showing Rivera basically going in to David Tepper's office and being like, all right, well, here's kind of what we're doing. Here's who we're starting. Uh-huh. Here's what we're looking at doing um, this week. And it used to be, hey, let the football guys do the football things and you stay out of the way, that's what an ideal owner is. But now 
we have an, an, an owner that wants to be informed, that wants to say, that wants, and, and this is being embraced. This is just a dramatic shift from what pe people felt about Jerry Richardson. Yeah, I, I think that that is something that you're, I, I think that in this day and age, you, again, you want that owner, 20 years ago, you didn't want Jerry Jones. Now, I think people love Jerry. People are like, I wish our owner was a star like Jerry Jones was. Like, I, to me, I think a lot of fans want that. And maybe that is what the new school of football fans look like. And old school football fans still are like, bah, get, stay up in the owner's box. But if you're a Falcons fan, you probably like when Arthur Blank is down there on the field. And Pushing if I Michael Vick in the and wheelchair. The, yeah, and the first Falcons fan that I meet, I'm going to ask them, but I haven't met one yet in my entire life. So uh, – I think that it's like this kind of thing is is the way that the NFL is trending. They want Steve Ballmer at the Kawhi Leonard press conference saying, well, I'm excited, you know, like pumping his fists and get excited. That's what you want, I think. It's it's all good until it doesn't work. Yep. I mean, that's, that's – And then, then you definitely don't want it, and that's a bad <laughs> thing to have. Is uh, yeah, I mean, involved. well, if they go if they go 5-11 and 11 again this year and – Changes aren't made. I think then, then maybe, maybe, maybe the honeymoon period might be over. But then, then it also shows like so you have he has this relationship with Rivera. Whoever comes in next, whoever the coach is that comes in next, I mean, are they going to be expected to, you know, sit thirty-five guys week one, or do they have their own philosophy? I mean, that's the th that's where it gets tricky. It's like you've got the you hire this coach to be the head coach, and you're like, I, I appreciate the thirty-five years you put into your craft. I appreciate everything you've done. Uh, but I like things done a certain way, and now your owner is impeding in that potentially. I, it's just it's, it's it's a shift that is interesting, and I'm I'm enjoying watching the differences between Jerry Richardson and David Tepper. I've enjoyed that. Is it different though than what the how how different is it from the rest of the teams this 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 week one of preseason? Like I saw Atlanta, their list of everyone that didn't dress out and. At one point, I was like, just name me who is actually playing because uh -huh. the list was so long. Like, I, I don't know. Is this across the league? I mean. I think it might be. I think you have guys like Kyle Shanahan, guys, coaches like Kyle Shanahan that are saying, like, we don't want stop having four preseason games. We don't want four preseason games. And if this is the way, it kind of feels like these, like, small steps of how you, of how you make it happen. Like, yeah. it's not this year because, obviously, it probably won't be next year. But how many years of preseason games where Cam Newton plays zero, Tom yeah. Brady plays zero, Kyler Murray plays one game, and then he's done. Baker Mayfield, do you think Baker Mayfield's going to play a lot of set snaps after he threw that touchdown? Like, I, I don't think so. I, I think that you want, yes, you want them to get reps and to remember what it's like to be a football player. But this is the same kind of thing. The, the NBA, the coaches for the past two years have started resting their players like, like it's going out of style. Started yeah. with Greg Popovich. Last year you saw load management was all the rage for everybody. And this offseason they are now talking about how they might be shortening the NBA schedule. I bet you in three years that NBA schedule is going to be shorter. So this is how you start the process of eliminating preseason games is you start by saying week one, nobody plays. Week four, nobody plays. Right. So if you're a fan, why? what incentive is there to go to the week one preseason game, well, week four preseason game? Be, because it's not about Cam. It shouldn't be about a, a, a nine-year veteran. It should be about the young guys. It should be about the, the, the guys that are trying to make the team. And that, But the problem was they still wanted to make full regular season price 
They want to they want to charge to see Cam Newton and then give you Will Greer. But I don't think that Will Greer and Kyle Allen and all those guys that are out there are uh, are ill served by these four games. I think you have a chance to make your product better with these games. Right. It's just not about Cam. It's not about CMC. It's not about those guys. It is about the back end of your roster. That should that 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 to me is a worthy enough goal for the preseason, but they want to charge full price, and right. that's where it becomes difficult. I don't think anybody. If if you said, hey. It's ten bucks to come, and look, we're just trying to figure out who the future of the Panthers is going. Sure, to, who the back end? Th- that's fine. Everybody can great. sign up, but hey, we want to charge you full price for parking. We want to charge you full price for your beer. We want to charge you uh, full price as if you're going to see Cam and CMC for four quarters. That's where the disconnect comes in. That's right. The, if you eliminate the preseason, the NFL product will be worse. Or if you cut down the preseason, it will be worse. And to me, it's just it's just about understanding what the goal should be and is. So I actually have a, a slightly different take than you, but it's it's similar. But I also think I think that the NFL product already is worse in the first month of the season, and it has nothing to do with the preseason. It has all, everything to do with the training camp regulations, how many practices they can do. You you have heard coaches already talking about how the first two weeks they're still guys are still playing themselves into shape because they can't practice in pads enough, yeah, that's and that's not fine. Being a I get that. By the way, then, uh, well, sure, I get that. But like you're trying. To you're trying to make these make it safer for the players, but then you're having preseason games where theoretically you're going out and blocking against these guys that are, have no chance of making the roster. That's the other problem. The other reason why I think that the the where your where the disconnect is is by eliminating the first cut. They screwed the way that the rosters are, are happening. When they made them go from 90 to 53 on one day instead of going from 90 to 72 before the fourth preseason game so they could at least cut down those other 18 guys. So yeah. it's like we don't need to get these guys, and I'm not going to mention any names, but there are 50 – maybe not 50. There are 30 guys on the Panthers roster right now that have no chance of making the team, literally zero. They are referred to as camp bodies. Yeah. So these guys that are still getting played, so you have to, and if you're a coach, you're kind of stuck in this no man's land of like, well, we got this guy, he's on the roster, uh, he wears 49, and then there's another guy on defense that wears 49, but we got to get him out there. We don't want, you know, it's not fair to him to not let him play at all. There was a guy, that there was a guard that played one snap, Rashard Cook, last week. Is Rashard Cook going to make the team? No. I'm sorry, Rashard, if you're listening, but it would take a lot of injuries for him to even get playing time in the preseason. So why is he still on the roster? Let them cut down to 72 and at least streamline it a little bit more so they can say, okay, well, these are the guys that we really need to watch in the preseason. Because I really feel like the NFL does have an issue with identifying talent. I mean, it's such a short window to try and do it. And then, like, once these guys are out of the draft, you know, kind of the – uh, out of that initial um, pipeline, yeah. we don't we don't have we don't have a whole lot of guys coming back around, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that these you, you need these these weeks to, to try and give these guys a chance to audition against other people. And uh, I, I understand the frustration of the fan, particularly the fan that's getting charged full price. But I do think that, as you said, the first month of the season is already sloppy. I, I just think you, you increase that even more if you decrease the number of preseason games. And when you have injuries, you've probably got even worse replacement level players coming in at that point. Yeah, and I think you can fix you can fix the preseason. There are very easy ways to do it. I think 
charging a lower price makes a big difference. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they are, but I think that there is definitely a way to get. Well, that's get the big one. I mean, yeah. it is. That's the big one. There's is definitely it? a way to do it where the team's getting what it needs out of the preseason uh -huh. and a way to, to have for fans to get what they would like out of the preseason. There has to be a, a way to do it. Does a conversation ever happen? Probably not because at the end of the day. It's preseason. Yeah. yeah. And it just is. <laughs> like, that's just what it's just what it is. Like, yeah. guess what? It's not going to be as cool. You, the, the sound check is not going to be as cool as the concert. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just not. But you. But if you want to see the guys out there in their uniforms, they're going to be out well, there in their uniforms. Maybe you have a freaking autograph line at halftime. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to, like, brainstorm, think outside the box of yeah. getting people in the building that, that make it worth their time but also make it worth the coaches and the players' time as well because – uh, you know, I, I get that you're trying to evaluate these roster spots, but in reality, the Panthers have like six roster spots open yeah. total, and they're going to go to running backs, cornerbacks, a defensive lineman, and offensive lineman. So if you are a if you are a uh, uh, whatever a tight end, if you're one of the eight tight ends that are on the team right now, like what's happening? Wouldn't you rather be on a team that needs a tight end? And that's and that's where they you know the the old cut help probably helps some of those guys. Absolutely, a thousand percent. And, and yet you go, oh well. We actually don't. We're not actually not worried about those guys. So yeah, instead of uh, so they cut thirty-seven guys. There are thirty-two teams. You have twelve hundred guys losing their job on the same day, and so and, and then and, and then you have to sign somebody before the next day because practice is happening on Monday. Yeah. And if you're for if week you're, one, if you're Josh Klein, GM of the Panthers, and you get that twelve hundred list, like what do you do with it? What are you doing with that? Because you're a week away from the regular season. Yeah. What, right. Like unless you. You're searching for a particular name. You're doing control F, find name. Nope, didn't find him. <laughs> Go ahead, delete the email. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if it's that that easy, but sure. Yeah. No. I mean, it, but you are sure looking. If you're like, if you're always trying to, you talked about this last year. If you're always trying to improve the back end of your roster, yeah. you make it harder to do it this way when you have 1,200 guys losing their job at the same time, all hitting waivers at the same time too. Right. So you can't necessarily say, okay, well, we, I like both of these guys. I'm going to put in a waiver claim for both of them. You're probably not going to get both. So then it, it's just it makes it harder, not to mention trades. I mean, the Panthers have made a trade week one, before week one, the past two seasons. Uh, they traded for Kevon Seymour, and then they traded for Corey Robinson. Um, they they obviously are actively looking to make their roster better, and they probably were hoping that those guys got cut, but they didn't. And then they traded a conditional seventh rounder for Corey Robinson. So, like, obviously the Titans didn't even care that this guy was on the roster because they traded him for nothing. And it's just, to me, a little bit of this roster system is broken. And I know this is probably not why people tuned in is for us to be bitching about the roster <laughs> construction. But it is, to me, it's super interesting. There's only so many times we can talk about uh, the quarterback competition and the running back competition right. and, and whether or not uh, – you know, Chris Manhurts is gonna is winning the com competition over Jason Vanderland. He is, by the way. But Man spoiler Hurts, alert: Manhurts hype. But this is this is an inefficiency within the NFL, and and this is something that you could look to utilize. But it becomes very difficult when it's twelve hundred dudes getting puked out in one day. Yep. And what what are you gonna do? You, you maybe there's ten of those guys that you would like to to look at over the course. I just uh, you know over the course of the, the preseason or something like that that you don't get to because of the late cuts and all the things. Well, the bottom line is this Im does impact the products because there are going to be injuries. These guys these guys are going to find their way onto the field, and these are the types of moves that good teams now are making that 
the, the speed of the NFL has picked up in the sense that you can't just go, well, we got our 53, let's roll. That, that is no longer a thing. People are making adjustments on the fly. People are making, making changes. These, these high, the, the teams at the, the, the cutting edge are constantly turning over the back end of their roster and trying to make their team better. And I think the NFL could do, uh, as a whole, could do more. But in, right now it falls individually on, these, on the team. And you have to be really motivated to try and upgrade 49, 50, 51, 52, 53 on the back end of your roster, mm -hmm. which is not something that necessarily everybody's eager to do week in and week out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, that, that it's kind of an inefficiency. So I, I think that that is something that we will look forward to as like week three, week four comes around. Um, I, I have a question for you, Colin. Uh -oh. We kind of have talked about this. You're drinking a Spartan <laughs> Spartan Brown Ale. Yeah, downtown um, Spartan Brown, baby. There you go. <laughs> Are you going to miss uh, Spartanburg? Because in all likelihood, we're out on on. This is the last we are in. We are entering the last week of Panthers training camp on the campus of Wofford College. I, I do feel bad um, that I think like this is the end of an era, and I think I think it's an era that deserves to be kind of recognized. I mean, this is an experience that that's going to go away for Panther fans, for Panther players, you know, living in the dorms in, in Wofford, and it's been a part of the NFL football as we know it for a long time. And now, because it's not cool, it's what's it's not what's new, and there's no money in it. I guess um, we just get to kind of wave goodbye. Um, I, I I will miss it because it's it's been the only place that I've ever gone to Panther training camp, and there there are a lot of memories. I've sat on that hill numerous times. I've seen the changes. I've seen, um, you know, the practice facility grow. I've seen it be very poorly attended. I've seen it be very well attended, uh, given the season, and. I think Spartanburg has certainly been a, a contributing factor, and there's no way when Panther teams and Panther players of uh, years past get together that these aren't some of the experiences that they talk about. Yeah. And it's just kind of been it turned into this disposable, uh, well, Spartanburg, we're, we've got something better coming up. And I, and I think that's a little bit unfortunate, and I understand it's hard for a guy like David Tepper, who just moved here, to understand kind of what Spartanburg has meant. But I, we pulled up in the Chamber of Commerce, had the Panther flags out front, it was really cool. Um, and that was cool to see. This is this is a city that has embraced it, that has leaned into being the training camp home. And I feel like at the end, they're kind of getting a little bit of uh, short shrift here because they're 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 not the they're not the next thing. Anyway. I, I wonder if that's why some of the crowds are a little sparse here is because Spartanburgians uh, are saying, "Why am I? I'm I'm out. Like right. you guys are leaving. Yeah. I don't want to be." And and. And you don't I appreciate us. Tepper has kind of like left it open, but in my mind, they're going to be having they're going to be having training camp in that bubble next year and on the on the campus. So what that also means, what what's another um, you know after effect of that is that you will not be able to watch Panthers practice. Like there will be the this idea of being able to bring your kid down to Spartanburg, stand out in the heat, get some autographs, have this kind of shared experience. I think is going away. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know. It's just an interesting – I'll be interested to see what it looks like next year if they do decide to have it in a bubble. I think that David Tepper is a guy that thinks outside the box a lot. And so I think that this is the kind of organization that may say, you know, we're going to do 
most of our practicing in the bubble, but then we're also going to do one practice per week in a different location in North and South Carolina. I'm just making that up. But like, <laughs> but wouldn't that, how cool would that be if you lived in Charleston and the Panthers yeah. brought the, the Panthers traveling show down to, down to Charleston for a week or for two days, practice in Charleston for two days. They went up to Boone and practiced in two for two days. They went to, to Raleigh and practiced for two days. They could, I mean. You're describing a barnstorming tour, though. I don't know what that means. Uh, like, I've, I'm, I honestly don't know. Like I'm a barnstorming not. tour where you would go around and you would, like, play, like, more, think more of in terms of basketball, like a, like a basketball barn. Like, you would go play in this gym in Asheville. You would go play in this. Like, it, you, you were as a traveling road show, a barnstorming tour. You would do a wrestling match in this city, in this city. Sure. This, they, don't, they don't need to do that. I mean, it, it sounds cool. It sounds great. I, I th when you say Dave Tepper thinks outside the box, I think Dave Tepper thinks outside the Carolinas. And, and, and so this becomes not a priority. And when Dave Tepper makes something a priority, it's a big deal. It's a big, it, it's a big thing. Dave Tepper's not saying thank you to Spartanburg this year, and I'm not saying you should be, but when he cares about something and when, he, when he's motivated into it, he'll put money into it, he'll put effort into it. Um, but right now what I've seen out of David Tepper is I, I continue to see him being focused on the fans outside of the Carolinas. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think that David Tepper wants to turn the Carolina Panthers into a worldwide brand that when you think of the NFL, you think of the Cowboys, the Steelers, and the Panthers. Right. And you don't think – and you do not do that right now. And you certainly didn't do it 10 years ago when Jerry Richardson was the owner. And you certainly didn't do it 25 years ago when they decided to come and do it at Richardson's alma mater. And I think that, you know – there are a lot of reasons for why they're probably not going to be back here, but having a statue of the previous owner watching them practice probably has something to do with it. Yeah, but also Wofford does make sense from a logistical standpoint. I mean, it's it's not that far. Like, we can say, oh, it's Jerry Richardson's alma mater. It'd be one thing if he was at Coastal and we were driving past Wofford and we were driving past everybody else. It's an hour and ten minutes away. It worked, and, and it built an infrastructure for Wofford, and it was I think it was a – relationship that worked both ways does it work though you have 300 pound defensive linemen sitting sleeping in twin beds in a dorm oh i look i get it now like but i'm saying 25 years ago of right. course it worked but right. i'm saying but it now wasn't, in this but it, day but no, and age but it what doesn't. i'm saying is now it's like oh it's just richardson's no it was just richardson's alma mater well yes that played a part in it but also the two the two states one team thing dave tepper didn't think that up he wasn't the one and it, it, this this location made sense too and over time it became well it was Richardson's alma mater Richardson's alma mater more and more I, I think it to me it has less to do with Richardson's alma mater and that and the the sport and the team and the business just outgrew it yeah. you're tracking the amount of sodium these guys are losing via sweat and then they they're going back to their rooms Those where they brought egg lies they brought Those egg cartons are lies I'm <laughs> These guys there's so like much pseudoscience in sports right now there's so much pseudoscience in sports right now it, it they, they want us to think that they're doing these advanced level things. It, it, it's dudes showing up and playing football. That's the most old school, like, hat on a hat type of idea that I've ever heard. Like, no. that's just throwing analytics out with a bathwater. No, no, no. Okay, first of all, analytics is, it means that there's something substantial. The fact that they're tracking something, they don't know that it means anything. They're just trying new stuff. They're just trying new metrics. They're just trying new things. And then claiming that this is cutting-edge science. The fact is, the NBA, we talked about earlier in this episode, they've been trying to figure out this rest thing. The rest stuff, they don't know. They don't know the science right now. They don't, they don't know whether it helps or whether it hurts. Because you rest guys, and then they're not ready. And then it, it, 
all this stuff that is quote unquote cutting edge just means it's unproven and we're trying to figure it out more often than not. Yeah, well, I mean, they are they are still trying to figure it out. But in my mind, I think that unfortunately for Spartanburg and for Wofford, because I think it was fun and cute when they were doing it, they've just but kind of outgrown this. Sense. Yeah, sure, but it made business sense too. But I mean, now, but now it makes more business sense to do it in your state of the art si- facility that you're building yourself <laughs> with the help of taxpayers. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just $120 million. <laughs> I mean, that's all we're talking about here. Like, listen, big men have to sleep in twin beds. Oh, dear, dear, dear me. Oh, heaven help me that big men have to sleep in small beds. Or we can spend $120 million so that we can give a billionaire more money. I'm sorry, man. I, I see a lot of sore backs and back tightness here in Wofford. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even joking. Two guys missed practice last week with back tightness. I won't sleep in a twin bed. Look, I slept in, I slept in twin bed till I was... 26 years old, probably. You're not a professional Look, athlete. That, that's uh, well, fine. that's not true. That's You're, I mean, based on based based on some of the things I saw in the first preseason game, so those guys aren't either. <laughs> but here we are defending their need to sleep in a bigger bed. There we go. There that's we a go. Good point. I, that's a, I can't even argue that point. Uh, boys, where can they find you on the interwebs? Colin? Uh, you can uh, find me in downtown Spartanburg. I had to. You asked Colin, so I wanted to jump Aww. in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> found me in downtown Spartanburg drinking a drinking a downtown Spartan Brown. Yeah. Colin CLT on the Twitter. Josh Klein rules on the Twitter. Beautiful. Nikki seven hundred four on the Twitter. This was a one day slash zero day contract live from Cyclops. Cyclops. Oh no! Cidery. You got oh. so far into the show Cyclops. without two eyes. Cyclops, Cyclops with two eyes. You were Cyclops, so good Cidery at and it. Brewery in beautiful Spartanburg. This has been one day contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. We will see you guys next week. Zero day contract is what they call it nowadays. <laughs>